Wonderful. Wonderful to see all of you here again this evening. So glad for you to be back. Uh, one thing to keep in mind as we come here and as we discuss the work of the church, one of the things that you can do as an active member of this congregation, which we've talked about the last two Sunday mornings, is encouraging people. Encouraging people to be in attendance, to come, and, you know, if you're missing somebody, if somebody's not here, you're looking around and thinking, man, where's that person? People are busy, they've got a lot to do, but one of the things we don't want people to do is to neglect their spiritual side. So please, please, please encourage those who you may be missing this evening or on Wednesdays, encourage them to be here. We're so glad that you're here. That's a good looking family, ain't it? I don't know how I got so lucky. They look at they look like her mama, I guess. Good family. If somebody's missing. Somebody's missing up there. Because I'm taking the picture, right? I'm missing. You know where I am. I'm behind the camera. I'm behind the camera. First day of school this year. Everybody's smiling. We don't smile that much now going back to school, but somebody's missing. It's me, because I'm taking the picture. Oftentimes we speak of God the Father and Jesus the Son, but in much of our discourse we leave out the Holy Spirit. Why is this? Why do we do that? I believe many people misuse and misinterpret the Holy Spirit and we are thereby afraid of doing the same thing. We don't want to say something out of line with Scripture. And if there is a part of Scripture that is often misunderstood, it is the Holy Spirit. One of the ways it's misunderstood and misused is if I were to get up here this evening and say, well, the Holy Spirit told me that we didn't have to use grape juice and the Lord's Supper anymore. If you believe a man who would say something like that, then you would believe him rather than looking into Scripture and seeing what that says. That's one of the reasons we're so afraid to speak of the Holy Spirit, but we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be afraid of it. It's easy to understand and see that in the Old Testament, God was working. Then the Gospels come and, and Jesus comes more to the forefront of the biblical narrative. They were all there. They were all there in the beginning. Genesis says, let us make man in our image. So we know that the Godhead has always been there. But in various parts of Scripture, they have different roles. They have different things that must be done at appropriate times. God in the beginning, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit comes more so into play in the book of Acts. And subsequently, always at play in, in, in the forefront as Scripture was inspired. And we'll talk more about that in just a little while. All Christians receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. So it is a part of Scripture that we must not neglect. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says that when we are baptized, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. However, at this point in time, it is no longer miraculous. We know that in Acts chapter 8, 
the apostles had to go and had to lay their hands on the people who had been baptized, for they had not received yet the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit. So we know that that gift of the Holy Spirit has ceased, as miracles have. However, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is still one thing that is, it, that is true to Scripture because we receive that gift at baptism. So we're going to talk about this this evening, about how the Holy Spirit works, because He does. And if you acknowledge that fact, if you but listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll know more about what I mean regarding that later. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit and acknowledge His work in your life, I believe you will be able to enjoy the Christian life much more fully. It'll be a much better, more fuller experience. But first, we can't not have this discussion unless we consider how the Holy Spirit works. Because that's very important. Some people contend that the Holy Spirit works separate from the Word of God. This cannot be, just like my example earlier. Some people would contend it works separate from the Word of God because, you know, I, I receive you know, messages from the Holy Spirit. My Bible's still closed if you haven't seen that. But some people would say, I receive messages from the Holy Spirit. And when it's contradictory to the Word of God, you know that that person is speaking falsely. So in other words, someone who would hold to this view would say they, they have the Holy Spirit and they're not really looking and following Scripture as it teaches. We know that all Scripture is inspired by God, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. The Holy Spirit goes to the writers of Scripture and inspires them to write the God-breathed Word, the Scriptures that we have today. So someone who is proclaiming that they have the Holy Spirit and they're teaching a certain thing, if you cannot go here and find it in Scripture, then they are what we would call a false teacher because they are proclaiming something not in line with Scripture. They are, they are operating separately from it. And that just cannot be. 1 Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21 says this, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The inspiration of the Old and the New Testament writers. So if someone says they have the Holy Spirit, they are a New Testament Christian, that in fact would be accurate. If they have the Holy Spirit. But if they proclaim and teach something that goes against the Word of God, then that person would be a false teacher. So we know that this view would be incorrect. Next, some people contend that the Holy Spirit acts only through the Word of God. In other words, the only time you come into contact with the Holy Spirit is when you sit down and read the Word. If this is the case, then what are we asking of God when we pray that He intercede for us in certain ways? Certainly, I interact with the Spirit of God as I read through these pages. That is indeed true. But if I were to leave my Bible at home or something like that, I still have the Holy Spirit inside of me, don't I? That's the gift that I was given at baptism. So this view while closer to being accurate, is still a bit off. When the people first received the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, 
Peter must have been referring to something besides the Word of God because we know that the Word did not come till much later as the writers were putting pen to paper. Plus, I hope that the Holy Spirit is with me more times than just when I have my Bible open. I hope that He's always with me. Jesus promised that He would be, didn't He? That He'd always be with us. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. The most accurate interpretation of how the Holy Spirit works, I believe, is, can be said like this, that it works in conjunction with the Word of God. We come to the knowledge of Scripture, we learn from it, and that Word is put into our minds, put into our hearts, and then we are moved. You see, a lot of people, there, there's some feeling that goes along with the Holy Spirit as well, and we're going to talk about that a little later, but one step at a time. But the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the Word of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit's with you when your Bible's at home and you're at work. He's still there with you when you're praying, when we're here at worship, when you're driving along the road. The Holy Spirit is still there with you. And it works in conjunction with the Word of God. Not in the other ways that we have said. The Holy Spirit is a gift that we receive at baptism. It is not a miraculous gift the way many of the early Christians received because it was necessary then, but it, the miraculous portion is not necessary now. Some believe that the Holy Spirit is an experiential event, as many may believe, although being in the Spirit of God is an experience. Okay, Some people say, well, I have the Spirit, and they, they act crazy or something. My ancestors are Pentecostal, so I can say this. But they'll act in some sort of experiential way, you know, and it will... Can they find it in Scripture? In, in some places, they find how they act. Examples of the Holy Spirit miraculously moving in those days. They'll find it there, but He does not operate in that way today. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24. This is how we know that we have the Spirit. Certainly, we have it because we have been baptized into the blood of Christ. But we also know it because of what John tells us in 1 John chapter 3. In verse 24, the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. There are things that we experience that we can point to and say that's the Holy Spirit work. But this makes many of us nervous and understandably so. But we should not be afraid of the word of God. So here are a few things that we can say about what the Holy Spirit does do for us. And I believe, men and brethren, sisters, we've got to speak more of the Holy Spirit. We talk about God, we talk about Jesus, we know them well. But we must come into a greater knowledge, greater understanding, greater relationship with the Holy Spirit because He's part of our Christian life too. We can't, can't leave Him on the back door. We can't leave Him behind the camera because He's a part of our lives as well. First, the Holy Spirit gives assurance to us that we are God's children. The connecting link in the Old Testament between Jews and God was circumcision. That's how people knew, they, men knew they were Jewish, that being born into those families. Today it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mason was baptized behind me here. Many other young people, adults, baptized here. At that moment, they received that gift of the Holy Spirit. 
as they did in Acts chapter 2. Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says this, because you are sons, remember, when you become a Christian, you become a part of God's family. And families are very intimate. Families are close. And there is a spirit within that family, a spirit that joins you. The family of God is much the same. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So many times we speak of God in the regal manner, as He is our Creator, which is, which is very appropriate. Okay? But the word Abba here is a very intimate word. Okay? It's very intimate. It tries to illustrate the relationship that we have with God the Father. It's not just one where He sends us instructions and we do our very best to follow them. It is a relationship that is deep and, and permeating our hearts so that we might live and enjoy living for Him and know that He's close to us. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. You're not a slave anymore. But you are a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So it is the Spirit that tells us, that helps us realize that connecting force that binds us to God. The Holy Spirit helps us live moral lives. This is where the feelings do come in. And I won't spend a whole lot of time discussing that portion, but listen for it as we move along through the rest of this sermon. Keep in mind that for feelings to be accurate, they must be based on knowledge. A lot of people feel a lot of things, okay? But those feelings aren't always accurate. They get you in trouble a lot of times, not only in the religious world and your Christian faith, but in, in your personal lives as well. The Jews had the written word of God. It revealed God's will and pronounced judgment on those who disobeyed. Christians also have the word of God, but we have two things the Jews did not have. We have forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, and we have the help of God in overcoming sin through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Here it says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? See, here more evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in us, whom you have from God. He gave it to us. It was a gift, Acts chapter 2, and that you are not your own. This is why we watch our language. The Holy Spirit lives within us. This is why we watch our actions, because the Holy Spirit lives within us. For you have been bought with a price, therefore... Glorify God in your body. Immorality is more than a sin against the people around you or against your own body. It is a sin against God. And if you have the Spirit in you, wouldn't that hurt? You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You study the Word of God. You know how you should live. And then you do something you know you shouldn't. You commit a sin against the Holy Spirit. And that, that should hurt. Right? That should Brick you to the heart, cut you to the quick, we may also say. So it is there that the Holy Spirit, I believe, is, is, is saying, hey, this is wrong. Because you have that living in you, you know through the study of the Word of God that you acted incorrectly, and wham, that should hurt. 
So that guilt, that push to a better life, a more moral life, helps us to do just that. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Let's turn there. The struggle bothers us. This, this struggle of our good nature and our bad nature should bother us as it did Brother Paul in Romans. And here we are looking further at his thinking along those lines. I know I should do good, but I don't. I do the bad that I wish I didn't do. And he's lamenting over that. Why is he lamenting over that? He's lamenting because the Spirit of God is inside of him. He has the Holy Spirit and he knows through study and through inspiration at that time that he should be living a certain way. And when that doesn't add up, it hurts him. It hurts his conscience. It hurts the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. When you became a Christian, you said, I'm going to start living by the Spirit, no longer by the flesh, but by the Word of God and that Spirit that is in me. I want to take care of that because I want to think more about the Spirit and less about the flesh. There's nothing miraculous here, I hope you see. This is simply through the study of the Word of God and coming to a greater understanding of how we should live and how God would have us live. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Those are good feelings that happen there. The part of the Spirit is. But when I die because, I, because I'm acting towards the flesh, then that should be hurtful to me. But it feels good when I live by the Spirit. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. You've got the Spirit living in you, and you decide to do something that you know is wrong, but you do it anyway. You are being hostile towards God, and brethren, that should hurt us. That should hurt our hearts. It should hurt the Spirit that is in us, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So when you are in the Spirit and you turn to the flesh, this should hurt. This should push you back towards living a, memorial, a morally pure life. The Holy Spirit also helps us in our worship. How can man who is physical commune with God who is spiritual Unless we rely on the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God. No one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. We've received that. So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. It has been established that Christians have the gift of the Holy Spirit. In my worship, the Holy Spirit that dwells within me, that came from God, helps me to understand these things, verse 12. 
How else are we helped within our worship? Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We don't always know how to pray. Sometimes we just got to turn it over to the Spirit and He will intercede for us. He will help us with that. And I hope that in our worship, that when we sit here and as we sing these songs, that they're not just words, but they fill our hearts. And they make us feel closer to God because that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be encouraging. Encouraging how? Encouraging how? Encouraging us to live by the words that are there. Because the words speak of some struggle you faced. Because the words proclaim an encouraging message that you need. Because the words remind you of what God has done for you. That should fill the Spirit and make Him even stronger inside of you. Because that's part of our worship and how we should be. The Holy Spirit also helps us in our attitude. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, we know this passage, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We must walk by the Spirit, and as we walk by the Spirit, there will be fruits. There will be behaviors, right? There will be behaviors. You cannot have a loving attitude without acting loving. You cannot be joyous. You cannot have peace or patience without having the Spirit inside of you and learning and loving and living through that uh, plan, that message that God has given to us. So this would definitely increase our attitude in such a way that would be pleasing to God. And this walk by the Spirit, it may be because He helped you with your prayer, as we mentioned before. The Spirit here could be helping you because you remember what the Scripture says about the fruits of the Spirit. You're going about your life day to day, and man, isn't it tough? And you remember what Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 says. The Spirit convicts you, and you remember what it says right here. And you remember, I've got to live a more peaceful life, a more joyous, a more loving life. Or as He helps you with your attitude, it could be what Ephesians 3.16 says, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. These attitudes come from the Spirit who dwells within us Christians. Their possession of these attitudes reflects the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in all of us. Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, and we must not resist Him as some do. Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. As we have the Spirit here, and maybe the Spirit is telling you this evening that you've been neglecting Him, that you've been resisting the Spirit of God who says, you know what, you shouldn't do that at school. You shouldn't do that on the internet. You shouldn't do that to your wife. You shouldn't do that to your husband. It is that conviction that says, hey, you're not acting like Galatians 5 tells you to. Remember what you read? Remember what you studied? 
you're starving the spirit that is inside of you that wants to live. So stop resisting him and start listening to what that says according to the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 19. We shouldn't quench the spirit either. Throwing water on it, dousing it, drowning it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing about it. I had a friend of mine who many years ago strayed from the Lord's church. Powerful Christian in his younger days. And somebody went to him, a friend from, that we went to school with at Freed Hardeman, started talking to him. Man, you're, you're not living right. Like You're not living like you used to. You're not living what you used to preach. I don't want to talk about that, man. I don't want to talk about that. He quenched it. He resisted it. He piled lots of stuff on top of it because he wanted to make it quiet. Locked it away, put it away. He was tired of hearing the Spirit. Tired of what he had learned through Scripture. Tired of listening to that over and over again because it made, me, it made him feel too guilty. Maybe you're experiencing that same thing as well. Quenching the Spirit, resisting Him. So you don't have to listen, you can live how you want. God doesn't want you to live how you want. He wants you to live for Him. The Holy Spirit, as we've covered this evening, is our assurance that we are God's. Helps us live moral lives as we study Scripture and learn how we should act. Helps us in our worship. Helps us with our prayer. Helps us with our attitude. And I hope that through all of these experiences that we do feel something. That there is a feeling to the Christian life. I know they can be misleading. But feelings cause us to love. Feelings cause us to do the right thing. It is feelings that cause me to want to reach out and grab the heart of every one of you and say, won't you do what God has called you to do? That is the feeling that we should all have to make a difference in the lives of others as we've talked these last two Sundays. It is those feelings that we should start listening to and know that it is the Spirit of God that we all received at our baptism. Don't quench Him anymore. Don't make Him be quiet anymore. But start listening to that Spirit once again because that Spirit is inside of you. And that Spirit can make a difference if you'll listen to Him. And if there is a tug on your heart tonight that says you need to become a Christian, you need to listen to that too. Because the Spirit is given to those who are baptized and you are, you are in this place tonight. And we are talking about spiritual things and there's a tug on your heart right now that says, hey, you need to come forward or you need to talk to Dale after church and you need to become a Christian. Or if you've been living wrong, if you've not been living like you should, I pray that you will come forward this evening and ask for forgiveness, have those sins wiped clean once again. Won't you come now as we stand and sing?